0: My name's Christina, and I am the blogger behind We Are Living Art.
1: And my name's Danielle, and I'm the blogger behind All Things Coveted.
0: Are we bloggers? Are we influencers? We don't even know. Content
1: creators,
0: all of the above. All of the above, Um, but we're here to share the inside scoop of all of that for you guys, so you know exactly what the fuck is going on. Hello guys, welcome back. For those of you who are new to the pod, my name is Christina,
1: and I am the creator behind We Are Living Art. And my name is Danielle, and I am the creator behind All Things Coveted.
0: And that is Bella sipping her water in the background. Um, We had a few interruptions last episode from her whimpering, we're hoping this episode we don't have that, so guys just bear with us. We brought some treats. We brought some treats, we're gonna deal with the situation and do our best, or I might have to pet her the whole time, I just don't know how that's gonna look for the video, but... (laughs)
1: Very Dr. Evil. Very Dr. (laughs) Evil,
0: (laughs) or what's that, like, the godfather... Oh right? yeah, yeah. Cat, does he have a cat? I don't even. Know. I don't know. So what's up? What's new with you this week? There's actually a new observation that I think we should take into consideration and announce on this pod because it's something
1: fresh for you. Yeah. This week I watched The Game Changers on Netflix,
0: and I ironically watched it on the exact same night. And Danielle mm. like talked to me about it the next day. And I was like, first of all, that's so weird, guys. We do everything in sync somehow and the bizarre. Way. it's sometimes bizarre sometimes
1: we show up to events in the same outfit in the same exact outfit like most of the time most of the time it's it's not even like we talk about oh like what, what what are you gonna wear what are you gonna wear or and it oh me too it's literally we just how show we up yeah I know yeah. Anyway, so sisters, <laughs> so I watched the Game Changers with my boyfriend and decided that. Well, I decided right then and there, my mindset totally flipped, and I'm gonna become uh, plant based. Okay, so I only you- had cheese once because it's really it, good. Yeah, first when cheese transitioning has, cheese has been the hardest for me. Okay. Meat hasn't been hard at all. I think it's super easy for me to, like, veer away from that. Mm -hmm. For me, it's more so... I don't drink dairy, but the cheese has been... Or if you have
0: a sandwich or salad, like, it's hard to cut it out there. Um, So the Game Changers, I guess, documentary
1: was... It's based on um, this UFC fighter... He's the narrator. Yes. And he got injured. Well, this is a spoiler alert. So for those of you who've watched it, Here or those are the of cliff you notes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's based on he was injured and he wanted to kind of speed up his recovery. And in his research, he discovered all of these clinical studies and proven facts that plant-based diets actually accelerate your energy and make it, you stronger and less better tired um, and just your best self basically
0: yeah so uh, specifically when referring to athletes it does like have all those benefits obviously you know everyone's body's different and everyone should have a different diet mm-hmm. um and should gauge their diet based on how they feel they shouldn't just like follow something because whatever of course but no it was really really great and i mean i'm already very much um like, on the plant-based side of things, like, I do think it's better. I think plant power is better in terms of, like, sustainability, which is what my main deciding factor is for what my diet will be.
1: And the documentary covers how much impact uh, the poultry industry has on the environment.
0: Poultry and, and beef or just pou- Oh, sorry, remember. poultry
1: and, yeah. Just, like, the, meat. Just meat in general because there's so much water and waste and, and basically all of the land that um, is taken up by yeah. Keeping these animals and to, to raise them, to, <laughs> yeah, to raise them and and, yeah, it's crazy.
0: No, I know, and like something that I personally find interesting, like, and this is why I do think plant-based diet is the most sustainable diet, is because like sure, you know, like you can have grass-fed meat, you know, you can have like organic, really good for you meat, but even if you do that, like, sure, the 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 farms where you like have like say the meat that isn't like grass-fed, that's not good because you know, the hormones are going to the animals. They're not being treated well. And obviously those factories or like barns take up a lot of space. Alternatively, if it's grass fed, there's more land for them to graze, but often they still do cut down trees and stuff so they can graze that land. So they actually get more space to graze, but then that's also more land that's being used up. So it's really hard to find that like happy medium, like what works and what makes sense and what's the most sustainable and all these things. But What's the most sustainable? It's like, what's the most ethical? What's the most...
1: There are all these factors. Yeah. <laughs> and in the documentary, it says, so 15% of pollution comes from the animal... animal 15? Uh, 15, which they said was equivalent, which I thought was astonishing, equivalent to all of the pollution that cars, planes, and ships create. So if we were to just cut that out completely, that's 15% of the pollution that's being produced. Yeah. That figure alone for me, I was astonished. And also the water... They said some yeah the water to huge, produce meat yeah they were like one burger is equivalent to like seven gallons it's, or something it was it yeah. was great. anyways it it mind blown yeah and my mindset has totally changed definitely it's a struggle and how you were saying everyone has different diets and everyone's body is different so you you know you adapt and you react to different things differently but thus far I've been loving it I haven't seen a physical change or a energy change in working out yet. But I think that it's definitely something that I want to continue to do and possibly document at the end of it. Or just some struggles that I've had or... or
2: process.
0: Exactly. Stuff like that. On the topic of that, I listened to a podcast this morning, um, the Skinny Confidential podcast. Okay. On their podcast, they had a special guest... So, his name is Dr. Will Cole, and he is obviously a doctor, um, but mostly an expert in, like, functional medicine. Okay. So, he goes in about diets and, like, what diets are right for certain bodies and stuff like that. Um, But, like, my main takeaway from listening to that was that, obviously, meat naturally has certain vitamins that, like, in plants you don't necessarily get. And in order to have, like, a healthy, like, lifestyle, if you're vegan you kind of have to have like three certain supplements that you have to find and incorporate into your diet and that is b10 complex it's an iron supplement and an algae supplement so i personally consume spirulina i've tried to put it in all my smoothies and that is an algae-based supplement um, also gives you energy and stuff like that so it's just really important to like consider what you need to you know offer your body if you aren't getting you know certain meat that naturally will have those supplements in it and vitamins in it but again i think anyone can really have a healthy lifestyle um if they are consuming and they are like properly
1: also educating their body yeah feeding your body and educating yourself on what's right for For you yeah yeah Yeah. your body because there's also you know getting your blood type and then eating for your blood type 100 as well
0: and i do that as well and mine thrives on plant-based yeah and well, fish is some fish as well, but it's, like, primarily vegetarian,
1: yeah. When I did mine, I for, I, I knew that I all of the meats were highly, like, non-digestible for
0: me. Non-dige- me too. I have very yeah. low stomach acidity, and because of that, meat obviously takes more, like, muscle power, stomach power to digest, and you can also gain weight more easily if you are eating meat and you have that blood type because it's a longer process, you know what I mean? Right. Unless you're eating one meal a day, it's like your body's, not breaking down the food as efficiently as it could be
1: Living in big cities or main cities like Toronto there are so many options you can say yes it's harder to go out to eat to socialize but there's so many options now here Oh yeah um, that it's not that hard and it's, and it's not that
0: expensive guys like
1: It's the same if you were to go out to like um, get a
0: pizza at like a Italian nice Italian place Exactly or yeah it's honestly bowls and salads and all that stuff It's Make- definitely
1: more of an effort But it's not as hard as you would think. Yeah.
0: Anyway, now getting into our episode. Today we have an exciting guest. Um, Her name is Shay and we'll go into the details of what she does, who she is, and the important mission that she stands by. So welcome to or welcome back. We just did our intro, but we now have our exciting guest here. So her name is Shay Invidiata. Very good. And um,
2: yeah, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Like you said, my name is Shane Vidieta. You did a really good job of pronouncing my last name. Thank you. <laughs> um, I am an entrepreneur. I've been in business for over 10 years and I kind of wear a couple of different hats. I have a real estate team that I'm the director of operations for. I'm also a realtor myself. Uh, we have 25 agents on our team and we do over 300 million in sales a year. So it's wow. a pretty big team. We're one of the um, most successful in Canada. And then for the past 10 years as well, I've founded and started an organization called Freedom, which is a nonprofit that fights human trafficking. Here in Canada, we have been really grateful that we've helped to amend the criminal code three times in Canada, implementing all kinds of different legislation to not only crack down on pimps and traffickers, but also to be able to help put in legislation that is going to help to support victims of trafficking. We do a lot of anything around uh, prevention. So whether it's awareness, advocacy, events, of course, the legislation piece falls into that education I'm a firm believer that you can't fight that which you're not aware exists. And so 10 years ago, when I looked at what was happening here in Canada around human trafficking, this was the biggest gap was that Canadians were not aware not only what uh, that human trafficking is, but they didn't know that it was happening here. So I wanted to create a brand that when you saw Purple, you heard Freedom, you knew we were talking just about fighting human trafficking exploitation in Canada. So that's been my journey for the past 10 years. And between real estate and human trafficking, mm-hmm. two industries that are highly stressful, very demanding in time, human trafficking, not the lightest and most fluffy topic. <laughs>
0: Definitely not. Uh,
2: you know, so there's a lot of dark days. There's a lot of upward hill battles. Not everything ends in a success story, um, as you can imagine. And so with that in, in my life, over the past seven years, I have uh, used different remedies and uh, natural products to create balance in my life, to help alleviate stress, to um, cope with having better sleeps. And so all that kind of stuff. And so what's kind of happened for me over the past almost year and a half is I would find, and especially find today too, right? Like there's this Complete hustle of everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and everybody wants to, you know, have their own blog and be their own Instagram famous person, etc. Us um, basically. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you guys are doing something. There's a big difference between want and actually having action behind it, yes, you know. So, kudos true. for you guys <laughs> for doing what you're doing. But I find that there's so many people, they just don't realize how hard it is, you know, that there's a grind. And more and more I'm hearing of people being on prescription drugs or getting sick and looking for ways to create that health, you know, back into their life that they really lost, especially when you're doing the grind and lighting the candles on both ends and tireless nights. Yeah. And so for me, I founded uh, Shea & Co. about a year ago now, and it was Again, it was like through that organic growth, I'd be like at the gym, Fitness is a huge staple of my life. Me As too. I told the <laughs> girls I came here today with still wet hair, sweat hair from my okay. <laughs> workout. But that is also the life of an entrepreneur. you got to roll from one thing to the other to yeah. get it done, you know. So, But what was happening is I was, oh, I'd have people come up to me being like, you know, I can't sleep and I'm on sleep medication. Or like I have this back pain that's just like not letting up and I'm on painkillers. And I would have these like allergic reactions being like, you can't be on prescription totally. drugs, yeah. you know, antibiotics is like the killer of our era. And I have, an, I have oils. I have these oils. They're not magic. They sound like they're magic, <laughs> but they've got extreme healing properties mm-hmm. and essential oils are wanting to work with your body to heal your body. And I, I would just be like, here, just take these oils and let me know how you feel. And I would have people coming back to me being like, oh my gosh, I'm able to sleep really well. I'm getting deep sleeps. Back pain has lifted. What is this secret stuff you have? Yeah. And I want more of it.
0: So you just bring them like... Say someone's at the gym, you just like, okay, tomorrow you kind of came back and brought them yeah. like a sample of something? Yeah.
2: And you yeah. were making these at
1: that point? No, not making them. Okay. So
2: I use um doTERRA essential oils. Okay. Which uh, they are the largest essential oil company in the world. And um, more importantly than being the largest, because I always say just because you're the biggest doesn't mean you're the best. No. Um, <laughs> you know, but bigger isn't always better. But in this case, we are the largest. Um, but most importantly, we're the most pure oils on the planet today. Uh, we test our oils 54 times before they come to you and me as an end user. Wow. And we are constantly on this pursuit of purity and not willing to take quarters to cheapen our product to make more supply. And, you know, like I said, we test them 54 times before they come to you and I. And so for going on now seven years, mm-hmm. I've been using their products and there's an opportunity within doTERRA that if you want to step into the business you can at the time i was just a wholesale customer so we've got all these perks and benefits that if you have a wholesale account it's kind of like having a costco membership you know you can buy a costco membership and get everything at discounted prices and in bulk and so that's what our membership offers where you get 25 percent off of your products for the entire year and we have more than just essential oils we have products that are based in essential oils whether it's your shampoo and conditioner, oh, wow. um, whole skincare line, okay. detergent, deodorant, you know, hand soap. I mean, there's so many different products that toothpaste that we have that you're knowing that you're getting something that's pure. And just because a product says it's chemical free in today's day, you Doesn't know, necessarily unfortunately, mean that. Exactly. Exactly and so with doTERRA we are very transparent with that that you can go online we have a third-party company Um, all of our products have a quality id on it you can put it in online you can actually see the quality report and so when this kind of all started happening where people would come to me and say yeah i want more Initially, I, I sloughed it off to my girlfriend in the States who's doing the business. And I was like, here, here you ju- Yeah, you just enroll them. You, I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, sometimes I still feel like I don't know anything. But like, don't we all
0: know? I feel like that's <laughs> right? with everything. Yeah. But, and that's kind
2: of how it should be, right? Like always wanting to learn in and life grow, and mm-hmm. grow, right? And then it just kind of got to a point where I'm really passionate about it. And that when I see somebody who is in need of something, if you have something that can help them, Um, especially in a natural way. Why wouldn't you share that with Mm -hmm. them? And so it just kind of kept snowballing and snowballing. And then all of a sudden I was like two people and then four people and then like 10 people. And like now I have about 100 clients and like it's still growing. Obviously, you know, I want to have it into the um, multi-thousands eventually. So that's kind of like the very long way to say who I am and what I do.
0: Yeah. Very Um, multifaceted. Yeah,
2: very multi
0: just t- touching on Shay, so did you start it after you saw that you were getting traction from like clients for this essential oil company, or what exactly is Shay and Co? About is it like a platform, like a blog platform? like?
2: Yeah, so I started a separate Instagram account that's really focused on anything to do with health and wellness. And by wellness, it doesn't necessarily just mean what we're putting in our bodies or on our bodies, but also what are we doing with our minds? Like really mind, body, soul health really starts with your mindset first and everything else flows from there. I had started years ago um, a hashtag called Shea Formation and it would be all That's my true. life. <laughs> I stole it from Beyonce's album. No way. Yeah. Okay. There's a music like, video too, guys. You can yeah, check it out. right? Yeah. <laughs> Coming 2020. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but truth be told, I you know, I I took it from um, get into formation and I was like, Shea formation, it's got the spring to it. So I have a hashtag for it and I I started this account. So there's a lot of my like workouts and being in the gym and that sort of thing. And so now I have a dedicated account to Shea & Co. Yeah. That's just on on the health and wellness side of my life. I'm building my website right now which will be ready in 2020. Perfect. Um, yes. You know, stay tuned. <laughs> yes, First Insider. Nobody knows that actually right now okay. so you guys are hearing it here first.
0: And I am I met you like at a sort of I guess panel event that was hosted in Toronto and was it you that said like I don't believe in like work-life balance? Do you want to like maybe get into that?
2: We hear this all of the time and I, I was just on another panel as well after you and I met and The question of work-life balance comes up all the time. And I just, one, I don't believe in it. I think it's a myth. And two, I don't think it's possible. I think the goal needs to be, or the focus needs to be, is balance overall in life. As an entrepreneur, there's no way that you can say that every day you're going to be able to do the five things that you want to get done. You know, there's days where my workouts have to get adjusted and changed. There's certain days that... I unfortunately have to skip my workout and I didn't plan for that. But something comes up and you just can't make it happen. And so does that mean that I'm unbalanced in my life because I didn't get my workout in? Or, you know, you're always going to have this split on the scale. The pendulum is never going to be in the middle. And so... For me, I believe that you should be looking for balance overall in your life, knowing that every day we wake up and every day we go to bed, we're in control of how our day
1: begins and ends. You can't control... Wow, I just no, that you yeah. know. It's true, though, because everything's a choice. Yeah, yeah. you're choosing yeah. what you want your life to be, and every day is that choice.
2: Yeah. And you can't control what happens in between.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: My plan today is to come here and obviously meet with you guys, do our interview, And then I've got a few other meetings and appointments after that. But who's to say that I'm going to drive out of here and get into a car accident? Knock on wood. But I can't control what's going to happen in between my planned day. What I can control is how I start my day and how I end my day. And for me, I'm always, I have these tools around me that allow me to start my day to create positivity Mm -hmm. and with extreme gratitude in my life. Obviously, using essential oils to help balance and center me. Mm -hmm. And there's different oils depending on what type of day you might be having. Like, do you need a little more motivation? Are you having your rest day? So is it a little more zen oils? Setting the tone for your day using essential oils. Mm -hmm. And then bookending on the end is creating kind of like a ceremony for yourself. The rituals at the end of the evening that help you to release Anything that was negative in your day that doesn't serve you to let it go and everything that was gratitude in your day to continue to thank the universe for that. Maybe it's doing a five minute meditation before going to bed. Maybe it's doing even five minutes of yoga. You know, you don't have to take a full hour, but does your body need that extra relaxation and detox Using essential oils to diffuse in my bedroom to help create the environment that I need to go to bed. Mm-hmm. And so these are two for me that I, do, I, my routine, my morning and my evening are super important to Which, create that yeah, balance.
0: I want to get
1: into I like like what is a day in life and what is your morning routine.
0: And your evening routine to do this winding down and getting started. Because I think it's important. Everyone has a slightly different version. And sure. it's very interesting to see kind of like what gets people in the mind space that they need to be in.
2: So I think having a morning and an evening routine is similar to meditation. And I'll make this parallel in that when you meditate, there is no right or wrong way. And if you don't meditate every single day, the notion is to kind of get heart cracking down on yourself that like, I didn't meditate today. And meditation will teach you that it's not about getting it right every single day. It's about picking up where you left off and just continuing to move forward. So I think anybody who doesn't already have a routine in place, the struggle can be real at the beginning, where you're implementing new habits. That's what it is, right? And 21 days to form a habit. So you can make a list of what you want your morning routine to be and try to bookend it on the end. But if you miss a day or you don't get it right or it doesn't happen, you have to give yourself grace yeah. for that, right? Just let like, go. let it go like, Damn it. I can't just do move on. Yeah. 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 you know, because it's hard. Like some people might listen to this, and I'll share my routine, and they'd be like. Maybe they want to do two out of maybe the five things that I do. And in the beginning, that's going to be a challenge, you know, because it's not it's not in your regular yet. It's not like waking up and brushing your teeth, which that is all part of our routine. You know, so for me, I like to wake up and start my day and do me before the rest of the world. Usually, not always, but usually that means like not touching my phone until I've done my like top three things Mm -hmm. to get my mindset right. I wake up and I have a, I I use Breathe. It's a meditation app. It's phenomenal. And I have to be honest, I am not a meditator. I'm becoming one. But Mm -hmm. in January of this year, it was one of my things I really wanted to incorporate into my life for many different reasons. I knew this year was going to be intense for me, so I really wanted to go into a deeper focus mm-hmm. state, and meditation is a great tool for that. Plus, you know, like, Oprah says it, and Tony Robbins, and all of these, like, you know, big people that yeah. say, like, it's changed their life, and I'm a firm believer in, like, studying the people who are successful. For that sure. you want 100%. To be like. Yeah.
1: I actually also downloaded, not Breathe, but Insight, and I'm sure it's very similar, and they have, like, catalogs, and you can set the time that you want to meditate, like, for one minute, five minutes, ten minutes, and then you can pick either a track or someone that's guiding you. I found it to be easier than, you know, any other types of meditation that I've tried in the past, because you can really cater to what you're feeling that morning. Sure. Sometimes you may want, like, to hear birds chirping, like, you know, beach waves. Is that similar to the Breathe app, or it is? They've got all kinds of different things on there, from like
2: I use Headspace. I've never heard of that. Oh,
0: so they have like British accents, which is probably why I like it. But there's like different almost programs, and each program is like about fifteen sessions. And like when you start, it's very general, but you can go into like doing meditations for certain intentions, like for example, balance or relationships or like things like that. So if you are trying to discover something and need some guidance, you can (laughs) go ahead and do that.
2: Breathe is kind of like that as well where very similar you can choose meditations around affirmations whether if you want to lose weight you want to deepen your relationship Mm -hmm. with your partner mindset for the day positive affirmations deep sleep they have like even called the awake meditation so if you're traveling like maybe like you're on the TDC maybe you're driving in your car and your mind is going a mile a minute and you just need to like out. check out <laughs> and like realign and recenter yourself, they have one that's like for you to be awake. I need that. Yeah. Especially
1: driving. Right? You, you yeah. Lot, it's good. But yeah. In those situations for me, that's when I get the most anxious or stressed out is right. in those situations like sitting in traffic that I need to just breathe and say, okay. I'll yeah. get there when I get there. Yeah, because in my mind, it's wasting time. Totally, but there's no other way of going about it. Sure, right, and it's out of your control. Exactly, <laughs> which we've been right? talking exactly. about. It. It's like, <laughs> so you wake up, yeah. you open,
2: breathe. Yeah, it's only five minutes in the morning. Sometimes I well, sometimes actually, I should say I've graduated up to about twelve minutes.
1: Amazing. Um, but depending <laughs> on
2: what my day is entering into. I will minimum do five minutes for sure. And then I try to do like a 12 minute one. Uh, So that's kind of what I'm on this week anyways. But doing a morning meditation, I go into my bathroom. Obviously, I brush my teeth. (laughs) And so I should actually back up like that meditation. There's like two that I kind of do. But um, this morning meditation before I actually get out of bed is specifically to it's more around gratitude. And so Mm -hmm. before my feet like even get touching the ground, it's already centering myself for my day, for gratitude that I've woken up, etc. So that's the shorter one that I, that I tend to do. Then I go to the bathroom, obviously brush my teeth. And then I have an essential oil that we have called Glow. And it is literally just kind of like that. So it's it, it, actually, I shouldn't say it's called Glow called um euro palm but it's our glow oil okay and it does just that just and so, glow yeah <laughs> and it's kind of it has a bit of like um a blue tint to it and it just helps to take out wrinkles any kind of black like that. stuff around your <laughs> eye I need that yeah. <laughs> like it is a godsend I will like put on my forehead because my Botox is lifting <laughs> so I'm like okay we gotta tighten this up a little bit you know so that stays in my bathroom and then I do my gratitude practice so I have a gratitude journal and I spend at least five to ten minutes um just in that and gratitude is such a it's a beautiful thing to exercise and if you've not done that um or if somebody listening hasn't done that I encourage you to do it because it just changes your perspective on the entire day and it's not like I'm really grateful for my mom and dad or I'm really (laughs) grateful for my brother, which like you can start there You can start there. Totally. (laughs) But it's it's looking for small things either in your day and depending on when you practice it. I like to start my day with it. So sometimes my gratitude journaling is reflective on the day prior. Like what was I grateful for in that day that happened that are are small, but there are reasons to be thankful like the person who like let you in in that traffic jam right you know and thanking them for that you know the other day I had a really genuine conversation with somebody at the Starbucks drive-thru and it was like really nice like it was just like it was very genuine and so I just like thank the universe for that Mm because so many times it's very artificial or you're going through the drive-thru so it's like time is money money is time you know getting a parking spot You know, how many times we drive around and we get crazy because we can't find a parking spot. You know, so like being able to pull in to go get groceries and being like, wow, there's a parking spot there. It's like looking for those smaller things to even maybe enjoying just a cup of coffee able to just really sit and enjoy being present in that moment after i do that it's then followed by a longer meditation and then i go for my workout and so my workouts are always done in the morning Uh, those are non-negotiables for me Mm -hmm. Um, i treat my workouts like appointments with myself i always say if it was a client or a podcast interview you would not trade it off Mm -hmm. for anything else And you are your most important client. So if I'm I'm not in the best version of myself, I can't show up to serve my clients Mm -hmm. um, in the best interest either. So I'm very, very adamant about that. And so I encourage people, whether it's in the afternoon or in the evening, book in that time. And when your client or somebody says, hey, um, can we meet up from 5 to 6 p.m.? You tell them, I have an appointment already booked in that time, but I'm happy to meet you before or after. And it's amazing how people, whether you tell them what you're actually doing or not, it's irrelevant. If they really want to meet with you and if it's really important, saying no, they'll be fine with it. And you'll find another time. But if you're willing to start trading off things that are important to you, as your schedule gets more full and more full... You end up really resenting what you're doing. You might be passionate about it in the beginning, but it won't be like that for long because you're cutting out the things that are important to you, whether it's fitness, it's uh, it could be meditation, it could be hanging out with somebody. Whatever is truly of value to enhance your life, you need to book those in as appointments, as if it was a meeting with a client and you don't trade it off. So mornings happen for me uh, with my workouts and then in the evening, very similar, but a bit of the reverse. I like to clean down and turn down my kitchen in oh, the evening okay. before kind of, like, call it kissing it goodnight, if you will, <laughs> which my mother would be so
1: proud of, as I'm sure your I'm, mother can am I'm the same relay. way. I need the dishes to be yeah. done, like, the load to be, or yeah. if I'm putting them in the dishwasher, it to be running. Do you love yeah. to cook? Or? So, I don't love to cook, but I, obviously, I
2: can cook. Yeah.
0: Obviously, I, <laughs> it's Italian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you
2: know, um, most people would say this, not just even Italians, that... To cook for other people is way more pleasurable than to cook yes. for yourself. That's I'm, what my
0: mom says, so she doesn't have to cook for me. <laughs> 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 oh
1: <my goodness. laughs> She's like, <laughs> I'm like, hey, great, thanks, so you So you clean up, clean up the, the kitchen, kitchen. Clean
2: up the Turn kitchen Which I get from my mother, which, of course, you know, was always a chore when I was younger. And now it's... It drives me crazy if I don't have a clean kitchen before I go to bed. But I also think it sets the tone for then how you start your day. Yes. Right? Like, it takes the chaos out of your life and the clutter, and you're starting clean, you're starting fresh, you're starting organized. So I think it's a discipline that's really important that goes beyond whether you care if dishes Mm -hmm. are in your sink or not. But it's scientifically proven that people who make their beds – in the morning, w- are going to be more successful in life. It has to do, everything to do with deciding to take action. Then the flip side and the other scientific is what the mindset comes home to. Again, going back into chaos mm-hmm. because you're coming home and it's not neat and tidy. Right, it's actually not welcoming. It's not fresh. It's not exciting to get into. When you go to a hotel, Mm. are you excited to see that bed? (laughs) And maybe your linens are not going to be like going into the Ritz-Carlton where it's like perfectly like snugged in. But when you see a bed that's not been touched, you're like, I can't wait to get into that bed. Mm -hmm. Versus if the maid services don't come that afternoon to clean and you come back into your room and your bed's still not made... You're annoyed. Yeah. You're like, but why? Because the logic for some people would be like, Well, I'm getting into it later. But it's not the same feeling. And so when we do this in our household, that Tupperman is what we become becomes our new normal. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing with the dishes. It's like it just becomes a state of your mind when especially as entrepreneurs, we need to be organized, we need to be clear and having that like freshly every morning. Every evening, I kiss my kitchen goodbye. I have at least four water bottles, one that looks like this, which you guys can't see, but I, I brought my own water bottle to the interview today. And they're all filled with essential oils. So I will put in, depending on um, the type of water I want to drink, I will put in kind of grapefruit, lemon, gray mandarin, one drop of peppermint. Peppermint's a really great substitute for caffeine. Okay. So if you're wanting to drink less and still feel that uppity up and more alert and to help you focus, peppermint's fantastic for that. So I'll put one drop in with um, different citrus oils that I love and then they all go in my fridge. And throughout the day, like I never leave my house without one when I'm sitting doing work at my home because I'm able to work from home a lot. I always have a bottle of water And I find I drink more water when there's essential oils in it and we should be having at least eight glasses a day.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, so that's part of my evening routine for the kitchen. And then moving into kind of my bedroom, I have my gratitude journal again. I have a beginning portion of the day, but then now I go and reflect the day, you know. Is it the five
0: minute journal or do you have your own gratitude journal?
2: It is a five minute one. Yeah.
0: I have one like that because you put like your morning, then three things about and then you come back and you put three things about that day. That went really well. And then one thing that didn't.
2: Very similar. And I mean, there's so many great gratitude Tools, journals. like, yeah. And I think that's a valid point even for anybody who's listening and going, where do I start even with that? I don't know what I would do to get yeah. one of those five-minute journals. And there's a handful of them, whether you get it on Amazon or go into Chapters Indigos. Yeah. But again, it's like taking reflecting on on what happened in your day and yeah like what didn't go okay how can you make tomorrow better it's and always it's a always choice. about
1: perspective about your perspective of Absolutely. things so you can't like you were saying you can't control the things around you the only thing you control is your perspective on it
2: and to take that a step further there's this lovely line that says that maybe just maybe life is happening for you and not to you which many people and myself included at times where I will get a freaking parking ticket and I'm like, why, why, why did this happen <laughs> <Why>? to me? <laughs> right. And it's like, why is this happening to me? Why, you know, did this just happen again? Or this is just my luck and everything that happens in life. And I guess this is subject to believe too. Again, it's going into that perspective that life is happening for you and it's not happening to you. So that mm-hmm. anything that didn't go according to plan, anything that, what we would consider negative or hard and not debating whether or not those things are probably true you know like a loss of a loved one like that is obviously a very hard thing to go through but if we're able to say maybe life is happening for me not to me it changes your perspective on everything that does happen is to kind of look for the lesson look for the good
0: we just want to get a bit into your the organization that you started, so the not for profit. Mm-hmm. Um so it's called Freedom Walk. Freedom. Free freedom. Okay.
2: Yeah.
0: And there's a freedom walk Correct. which yeah. you can get into. So you started that ten years ago and it's because you found that there was no one in the space really drawing awareness to this issue, mm-hmm. especially in Canada, which honestly I think is pretty accurate because I think people always make the assumption that it's human trafficking, like, oh, in like a different country, in like a yeah. third world country, like not here. So, by drawing awareness and stuff to that, like, how did you come up with the name, first of all? And um, why did you decide to start your own instead of trying to find something that already kind of existed in that
2: realm? I'll start with the name. I rarely get asked this. So, um, it's actually a unique question that I like to answer. I think out of over 10 years, I don't even think I've ever been asked that 10 times. Really? Which is, yeah, it's wild. I went to Camp Mini-OE, if anybody knows where that is. It's up um, in Huntsville. And we used to have this thing at camp where it was only in boys camp where they would have a name and then it would be spelt something else, but you would read it and you would pronounce it differently. So, okay. for example, I'm probably aging myself. Do you, <laughs> do, you guys, okay. do you guys remember the Teeny Bopper magazines YM and 17? Yes. 17. Yeah. Okay. That was yes. like, oh my <laughs> So, and hopefully whoever's listening to you will know, <laughs> but there used to be these magazines back in the day called YM and 17. So there was this guy at boys camp and his name was YM. That's how you pronounce it. But to spell it would be 17. Like, okay. so it was this play on words. Okay. Always, okay. Right. So I had my camp name I was the first girl in girls camp to do this where I loved cars still love cars back in the day so I wanted my and my favorite car at the time was the Carrera 911 Porsche so my name was Carrera but you would spell it 911 so you'd see 911 on paper and you'd read it and say out loud Carrera okay
0: Okay. I think I get it now so
2: yeah (laughs) kind of little like cheese ball but it's important to this story (laughs) So when I was in my 20s, I started, my journey started when I was 18 and I moved to Hawaii. And over, gosh, probably about 2003 to 2010, so seven years, this issue followed me and uh, my eyes became open and aware to it. So I was still in my 20s and I was trying to think of something that was really kind of cool. I looked up in the dictionary, and this is actually where our logo is. If you look up in the dictionary, Mm -hmm. there's all the phonetic where it says, like, it sounds like, and there's usually a speaker, and then it says, like, how you would phonetically say the word. So I'm like... Freedom right and I was thinking about well, what am I aiming to do It's like to free those that are enslaved to free the victims Mm -hmm. so literally it became a playoff of words of freedom and free them Mm -hmm. is It sounds like freedom and all the time over the past 10 years I'll be doing interviews or at like somebody will introduce me at a speaking engagement And every now and then, it rolls off their tongue as like, oh, I'm the founder of freedom this year and like, it makes me laugh because that was kind of the intent and the purpose without them realizing it. And so literally from my camp days of this like play on words and like you would read it one way, but it sounds like something else or vice versa. That's kind of where the name originated from was wanting to free victims um, for freedom. And so, our logo is exactly that in the dictionary. It's like the speaker with the brackets and then free them, like
1: phonetically, oh, like free okay. them. Yeah. What opened your eyes to this issue? Because obviously, I mean, for me, thinking about in Canada, you don't see it as being so close to home, like Christina had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's an issue, and obviously, it is in our country. But what exactly opened your eyes
2: to it? So my journey started in 2003. I was 18. I moved to the island of Oahu Mm -hmm. in Honolulu. Specifically, I lived in Waikiki to start university there at Hawaii Pacific University. And so cool. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and you're from Toronto, too. and you Yeah. Decide- well, wow. you kind of, like, yeah. look Hawaiian now that, like, you say, you're,
0: like, <laughs> like you living in Hawaii, Dubai. just, like, tan, like, yeah. you know, <laughs> hair. <laughs> yeah.
2: I know, like, the mind beach craziness of hair. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, so moved to Hawaii. Have any of you, have you, either of you no, been there? No, I've been to Maui. To okay. One of my, literally went there
0: when I was maybe... 15 or 16, and I was like, this is one of the top three places in the world for me. Like, favorite. Like, the weather, there's no, I don't know, I remember there being, like, no bugs or something, and I was like, this is, like, insane. It's hot, like, no one's just, nothing's
2: disturbing you when you eat. Like, you know, like, in the
1: summer here, it's just
0: mosquitoes and stuff?
1: Or there's I I hate
0: those nuts.
2: Yeah, no. I mean, obviously, Hawaii has best Yeah, Yeah. of course. No, I just, it was definitely. I would love to go. We'll go. You need to go.
0: And rent, like, a. I want to rent, like, a Jeep and, like, drive around and, like, do that. How old
2: were you when you went there?
0: 15 or 16. Okay, Yeah. yeah. So,
2: it'll be a nice experience to go back, like... In the adulting phase.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Right? Yeah, exactly. Well, when you go, let me know. I'll give you the local kind secrets that we don't tell the holidays, which are all the white people that come to the island. Okay. (laughs) But I'll give you the local secrets. In Waikiki, there's three main roads that parallel the ocean. The middle one is known as, or it's called Kuhio, but it's known as Candy Lane. And that's literally where the girls walk the, the track at night. And so the track is just simply any place that, quote unquote, a prostitute or a girl who's selling sex would be found or seen. So I would watch in Paradise, as you just described. Yeah, kids by day with their families, It's around where the international market is so highly dense with tourists. A lot of families, young people, people were, you know, carrying their surfboards in their bathing suits all happy go lucky and the moment that it starts to get dark in Waikiki you start to see young girls that are walking the same area with next to nothing on and I was 18 at the time and I would see girls that were evidently younger than me you know 13, 14, 15 years old And we all know that if we put on mom's high heels and red lipstick, an 18-year-old or a 13-year-old can look like an eighteen nine year old very quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I could just tell that these girls were a lot younger than me. And I wanted to understand, I wanted to understand why they would choose to be in this industry, why they would choose to be in this lifestyle. At the time, like regardless of what you... What I believed, or what anybody really believes, prostitution is right or wrong, for me was irrelevant. I just truly wanted to understand why. Why, quote unquote, choose this. So I started reaching out to the girls, and it's over about a two and a half year process. Much longer story.
0: Could you communicate with them? Like, did did you speak their language, or did you guys just speak English?
2: Yeah, you know what, that's a fair question. You would see all different colors of the rainbow represented. So between, you know, black, white, Eastern European, Asian, geography plays a big thing in trafficking. You know, pimps, traffickers really see the girls, obviously, as products, as good commodities to be sold. So it boils down to basic economics, right, where Hawaii is in the middle of the ocean, closest to Japan and Southeast Asia, and then obviously California. So you're going to see an influx of more Asian females than you would Eastern European just for the sake of the amount of travel to have to transport people back and forth whereas like in canada for example in toronto we see way more eastern european uh russian also coming from africa as well than you do Asian, because mm-hmm. Vancouver will have more of that because of just closest yeah. to support, right? So we had everything there in Hawaii and local, a lot of local um, girls.
0: Funny. I honestly, it's so weird because the thing I thought of first was like, I just assumed they were all local.
2: But you're not, you're not wrong in thinking that like just to sidestep really quick, 87% of all victims in Canada that we rescue are Canadian. Okay. So, you know, we think that, and it's usually the opposite. Most, you're actually rare in your thinking, most people when they think of human trafficking they think oh it's people coming in from all different parts of the world to right. Canada okay. and although we do have that and it's true it's you know 12 13% of all victims that are are in Canada right now but because Hawaii is an island and smaller population mm-hmm. and where you're able to actually abduct or have girls underneath your control it's really really different than being on the mainland like in Los Angeles it would be very different than it than okay. it is in Hawaii just because we're on an island. So you would see everything there.
0: I feel like they can do, like, worse. Because it's an island. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. much harder it's to.
2: Not it's not so isolated. isolated. It's very isolated. You don't have your passports. You're under complete watch and control. And you got to be a really, really, really good swimmer in order to try to escape with no passport. Right? So it's next to impossible to, to get off the island. So it was, like, over that two-and-a-half-year period, I started interacting with the girls. You can't just go up to them on the street. They're being watched and time is money, money is time. And so by me going up and distracting them from talking to a potential buyer, takes away the money from their pimp, which can put them in harm's way. So I was very cautious of that and became very aware of that in a short period of time. For me, I always relate it to business. Like, if you don't have a meeting set with me, you just walked into my office right now and wanted to talk for like, even 20 minutes, I'd be like, I'm sorry, you're gonna have to make an appointment and only then if I have time to see you, Mm -hmm. you you can't just barge into my office, right? So I kind of respected in that same way, like my dad's an entrepreneur, I grew up in business, so I was kind of thinking like if somebody did that to my father, there's no way he would take that appointment and he'd be like annoyed because it's it's super uh, disrespectful. Yeah. So I saw this the same way with the girls on the street, like I obviously have no intentions to purchase so, if I'm speaking to them and it's causing them to miss an opportunity to find a buyer, like I could cause them harm.
0: Do you do a lot of research to figure out? No. Like, did you like talk to like no. people at school? Like, how do you figure out when to talk to them? And like,
2: I don't know. Oh I just my figured God. it out. Wow. Like, okay. You know, common sense goes a long way in yeah, life, you yeah. know? And so it was the sum of that. And like, again, I was just thinking about it from a business mindset. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm not making the money, I'm taking money away from them. And mm-hmm. that's gonna probably cause them pain or like they yeah. could get hurt for it. And I became very aware, which is the whole other long story, but I became uh, very aware of who the different pimps were in Waikiki. And so I knew when the girls were being watched as okay. well. But there's a Starbucks that's attached to our dorm on Kuhio Avenue. And half of it operated as the dorm and the other half operated as the hotel. And so there was this Starbucks there. And because Waikiki is, you know, one of these places where you can shop till 11 o'clock at night. You Mm -hmm. know, the clubs are there till 3 o'clock in the morning. Even crazier since, like, the whole emergence of the Kardashians, like, in Hawaii and all that crap of course you know um, which was way past now like from when I lived there you know I was there till 2006 for three years okay. there was a, a Starbucks that's open uh, Thursday Friday and Saturday till one o'clock in the morning and okay. so I would go in two days of the week of those nights and I would just study with a girlfriend of mine mm. and I give my credit card to the barista and I just said whoever looks the part not that you're judging but you also know like you know you have repeat customers that come in girls talk blah 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 and you just know you, you see the same faces so I just said whoever looks the part just pay for their their coffee I'm like if they ask you can let them know that it's me but if they don't ask I'm not looking for a thank you so I just literally wanted to consistently bless these girls to show that I don't want anything back in return but I wanted to be Available. I wanted to kind of open the door. For yeah, them. I wanted to understand, you know, and so
1: and also know that someone's watching or like there oh, knows, right. knows
2: that this is happening. Yeah. So it was in that time period that over a good two years of this consistency, I started to learn about the girls stories, not all of them, but a handful of them and learning about the fake modeling agencies that didn't exist when they showed up to Hawaii to the boyfriends that promised them a dream vacation of a lifetime and it literally turned into their worst living nightmare, to the pimps that now take their sons to school on the island and pick them up from school to the forced abortions, to the forced augmentations. And not that we don't enjoy getting our nails done, but when you're forced to have to do all of that kind of stuff and it's not your choice, it's very taxing and Mm -hmm. you're, you're enslaved to that. I learned their stories and what I started to learn was that the word prostitute that we equate so much with choice is wildly misrepresented. And the, the more accurate term to be using is prostituted. When you learn that word, usually thereafter, you learn this word called human trafficking. And back then, um, and it was still actually a couple years later, mm-hmm. I didn't learn about what actually human trafficking was until I moved to Vancouver. The whole time I lived in Hawaii, I was describing what human trafficking was, but I didn't know there was a term for it. So I would call my parents and say like listen these girls are like they were lured they're being forced they're not wanting to do this and like they're being exploited for money and completely controlled. So all of that is what human trafficking is. Yeah, totally. I just didn't know that there was a term for it. And when I was living in Hawaii, I remember sitting on the on the beach in an evening and I had my I had a chai latte that was my Starbucks drink back then. And i just come out from the ocean. So it's like sitting in my sarong, which ironically enough was purple. And that turned out to be the freedom <laughs> color, which like call it, maybe it's meant to be, or maybe I'm reading into it, making it up, but it <laughs> legit was purple. Okay. Uh, which for anybody who doesn't know what freedom is, that is our official, uh, our official color is purple. And I remember thinking to myself and looking at what was happening in Waikiki and going like, who's here for these girls? Like who is standing in the gap? to be their voice and to share their story. And there's nobody. For me, I was like, if I was a victim and this was happening to me, I'd be praying that somebody would be coming for my rescue. I would be praying that somebody would see me as a victim and not as a whore, not as a slut, not as survival of the fittest, not as she must have made some bad decisions or not as she's doing what she needs to do in order to survive. Mm. All of that, especially the last two, I absolutely hate it when we've failed our daughters in society when that's even an option. Like to say, well, she's doing what she needs to do to survive. It's like at that point, like we've actually just failed like fail their daughters that should never be what somebody needs to do to survive survive. especially as a female when we look at these situations we label one of the following that i just said and that wasn't the truth and i was like their voices deserve to be heard and right now they're just being silenced so i vowed back then that i didn't know what i didn't know how but i was going to share their stories as loud as i could to whoever i could And from that, I moved from Hawaii to Vancouver, and then I lived in Australia as well, and this whole topic kept following me. And it was really more or less that I just now saw the world through a different lens, and I would see things that I hadn't seen before, Mm -hmm. and what maybe we would attribute to a really weird situation Or that feeling in our stomach that that looks off or doesn't look good. But it's probably nothing. And then we continue on with Mm -hmm. our lives. I knew now what was happening. And also seeing it in government between what was happening with the Australian government. And so when I came back to Canada in 2009, I wanted to... Yeah, I moved back to Vancouver. Um, Yeah, I was in Van for two years, went to Australia, came back um, to Van after that year, stayed there for about another year, and then came to Toronto. Okay. So in 2009, when I came back to Canada, I was really eager to understand what our government was doing. Being Canadian, living in the United States of America, the two most free nations on the planet... And even Australia, it's up there, you know, high ranking for freedom. Mm -hmm. So call it like one of the top three countries in the world for freedom. Mm -hmm. And I was like, how is slavery? How is this happening so apparent? And nobody's doing anything about this. Mm -hmm. Like, how's that happening? And there was this disconnect. When I looked at the landscape of Canada, there's this disconnect between what we would call frontline agencies. So organizations that are helping to either rescue or taking in victims of trafficking and helping to rehabilitate and restore their lives versus what was going on in government the public nobody knew that this was happening even in our government there was one politician at the time that was starting to do some stuff on human trafficking but you ask any politician about human trafficking and they would think you have like they're looking at you like four eyes on your head you're like you know no clue what it is they couldn't define it still in the earlier days our former minister of immigration did not know the difference between human smuggling and human trafficking Which, it's like, you're the Minister of Immigration. How do you not know the difference? Yeah. That, for me, was one of those aha moments. Waking up going, even the most educated on the planet and, you know, being in real estate. And our business is predominantly um, out in the West End. Dealing with a lot of the top CEOs and executives Mm -hmm. in Canada. And those are our clients, and I would have these conversations with them, and they're like, "What? That's not happening here. No, you're crazy. Like, that's not happening. Turn
0: a blind eye because yeah. they don't know, it. or they're just well, saying, well, they, have, they, know they just awareness. don't know. There's yeah. no.
2: It's inconceivable to think that in Canada that this would be happening.
0: Because we're so progressive in other mm-hmm. ways. Well, I guess it's not even like,
2: that. It's just. it's Sure, maybe some some to do with that, um, but I really think it's we're Canada. We're like the true North, strong and free. We're a freedom country. Slavery would never happen here. Like, that only happens in second and third world countries. It became this journey of knowing that if you didn't understand the problem, you aren't going to give any money to it. Mm -hmm. And learning that human trafficking is a $150 billion industry every single year, it takes... Not millions, it's going to take billions to actually fight it and to make a proper dent in it. And it affects over 30 million people today globally, which is basically the population of Canada. So you're talking about, you know, millions and millions of people... And if you don't understand the issue, you're not going to, you're not going to partake, you're not going to do anything about it. And so that was for me looking at my clients in Oakville and having an opportunity to say, would you support? Would you donate? Would you contribute? But then them going, I don't understand the problem. So if I don't Mm -hmm. understand the problem, I'm not going to give any money to it. Like right now us doing, you know, our little talk. You might easily just be like, if I asked you for a hundred bucks towards freedom, both of you probably would not think twice about it. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't really care about a tax receipt, like, or where the money is going to. You'd be like, wow, kudos to you, Shay, for, like, Mm -hmm. you know, your story and what you saw and, like, what you did were, like, inspired and, like, for your efforts. Like, we'll give you a hundred bucks. If I asked you for ten grand, you'd kind of be like... Okay, we need to understand more. Where is the money going? How is it being used? Making sure it's not going into Shay's pocket. (laughs) Like, is there a tax receipt? All of these very valid questions. And when I looked at the executives that I deal with for business, you only have one chance. You only ever have one proper ask. And so that's really where freedom was birthed. I saved my asks. I was like, I need to create something that is all around awareness and education so that one day... I can go to certain people and say, would you donate 10 grand? Scotiabank at our walk that you briefly mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, were, was a major sponsor of ours again for the second year in a row. Being able to go to them and say, you know, will you come on board? And that doesn't just happen by, by accident. There was a long lineage of work we had to do in the country to educate that this is happening here. Mm-hmm. Why should Scotiabank sponsor something like that for something here? I'm sure they would quickly sign up for something that's happening like in Africa, but we, 87% of victims here Mm are Canadian, like the problems here. That's really how and why freedom was birthed is I wanted to, anything around preventative measures to fight human trafficking, to raise awareness, raise funds, to educate legislation as well. Because we can do advocacy all day long, but if the laws aren't there to support all of the work and the advocacy, like what's the point? So we spend a ton of time, we're a stakeholder to the federal, provincial, and municipal governments, and we advise, we suggest new motions that hopefully get passed to go mm-hmm. turn into legislations and all that other kind of boring stuff, <laughs> but yeah. super necessary, yeah.
0: Something we like to ask on each podcast is, like, some assumptions um, that people have about the certain career path or the industry that you're in. So we have a couple here if you want to ask. Uh, Yeah, so the first is
1: obviously being a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Some people would maybe assume that it's hard to find people to work for you for free. Is that true, or and
2: also, is your team large? Um, great question. And as you know, you know, uh, not all nonprofits have to be volunteer. Do grants?
1: Do you, Do you apply for grants, or um,
2: we actually haven't in the past. Okay. We've always just relied on private funding or okay. sponsorship, and we could, but that just becomes almost like a different full time job for me. Even though Freedom's already like full time, we've just always. I've always been of the mindset that I think that there is more than enough to go around between people's time and money and passion, that I never felt that this needed to be something that we needed to use money for to employ people. I really think that there's seasons of time where people come in and come out of your life, they're going to join freedom, they're going to leave freedom. And no different even if I Hate them to do it. Then they become an employee, and then employees quit. Things happen. They move, and that was the focus from the beginning. Was just like I, I think I can do this with just people who are dedicated with full time passion, and the model's just not changed. Uh, So today we have fifteen people that sit on my core committee. And out of those 15, fiver hour our officers and directors, one of which I am, of course. And the officers take on a more day-to-day type of role and position. And then our committee are the ones that are more intricately involved throughout the year mm-hmm. that then support the different officers for the different functions that we and roles that we do within FREEDOM. And then at any given time, we have about a hundred volunteers that we can call on that help to come out and put on the Freedom Walk or mm-hmm. different events that we do. So that's kind of how we're we're still structured today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I really hope this brings a lot of awareness, awareness to our cause, audience yeah. and Thank like you. to the cause. And I mean, people, maybe you can like let us know where link your profiles and then also the profiles for Freedom so they can check it out.
2: Sure. So my personal one is Shane Vidiata. And then my Shea & Co, way easier, hence also Shea & Co, dropped my last name. So it's just Shay mm. S-H-A-E, dot and dot co, C-O. And then Freethems is free underscore them underscore for Instagram. And then all of those... Are the same pretty much for Facebook. Okay. So easy enough to find. NVIDIA Realty is my real estate one. Again, you guys can link that in the show we will. notes. Yeah, freedom.ca is our is our website. If you want to get in touch with us, plug in for our newsletter. We only send it out once a month unless there's like breaking news. So it's not going to be another thing to add to your mm-hmm. inbox. But yeah, once a month we send out a newsletter on upcoming events maybe big strides big cases that have happened how you can be involved things like your mpp if there's something we want the public to help us with so that's kind of the context of the newsletter
0: okay amazing thank you so much